All God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to see you here. And I'm sure that many of you are going to go enjoy the boat parade a little bit later on. If you didn't know the boat parade was happening, please don't get up and leave. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, you're welcome to turn to Acts chapter 13 and most of Acts chapter 14. Uh, if you're using one of the Bibles located underneath the seat in front of you, you can turn to page 1095. And as always, if you don't have a Bible that you can read and understand easily, I want to encourage you, please take one of our Bibles home with you. Read it, apply it to your life. It is our gift to you. If somebody tries to stop you on the way out, hit them in the head with the Bible and take off running. We believe firmly that God's word changes lives if we're willing to read it and apply it to our lives. So that's why we, was, we just wanna be generous and gracious with uh, God's word. Now, today I'm gonna ask a question to you and I'm gonna ask you to shout out the answer. But I, don't, I, I will give you a signal when I want you to shout it out. So I'm gonna say the question, I'm gonna say it several times so you get it, and then I'm gonna ask you to shout it out. What did you want to be when you were growing up? What did you want to be when you were growing up? Most kids today in the United States, uh, they want to be a fireman, a police officer, a teacher, doctor, president, or astronaut. Those are some of the highest uh, occupations that people wanted to be, uh, or kids today want to be as they grow up. So in just a second, I'm going to invite you to shout out the answer of what you wanted to be when you grew up. Now, I don't want you to over-spiritualize this. I'm talking occupationally, okay? I don't want you to stand up and say, I wanted to be a man of God or a woman of God. You probably didn't think like that when you were a kid. So I want you to be thinking about what you really wanted to do occupationally when you grew up. Now, if you're watching us online, I want to invite you to type your answer out in the comments. Now, do you have your answer in mind? I heard three people say yes. All right, good. Are you ready? All right, I'm gonna ask you to shout out your answer to the question, what did you want to be when you grew up? Ready? Three, two, one. What did you want to be? I heard many answers and I couldn't discern any of them. A veterinarian. Okay, thank you. Let me ask you a question. Did you become what you dreamed about being? Raise your hand if you became what you wanted to be when you were a kid. That's phenomenal. Raise your hand if you did not become what you wanted to be when you were a kid. Thank you. When, when I was a kid, I wanted to join the Marines, then be a truck driver. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. Years later, after I received Jesus as my savior and committed my life to him, I wanted to become a kindergarten teacher and write children's books. That's what I wanted to do with my life. Guess what? I didn't become that. Uh, I'm, I'm a pastor, so what happened? Did I give up on my dream? Uh, did I stop trying? Did I not believe that God was faithful enough in my life? Why am I not now what I wanted to be even after I became a follower of Jesus? See, because in growing in my relationship with God, God changed the direction of my life and he changed the desires of my heart. I'm gonna be very intentional about today's message. I believe that some of you, 
since you became a follower of Jesus, may have sensed that God wants to change the direction of your life as well. And I want to believe that maybe some of you believe that God is calling you into full-time ministry or full-time mission field. My hope is that today, if you do sense that calling from God, that you would be intentional about taking the next step that I'm gonna give you at the end of the service. Now to clarify, if you're a follower of Jesus, every one of us have been called to do ministry full time, to lay down our life for others, to love others, to, to share the reason for our hope in Jesus, to serve in the church, to go on mission trips but we would all acknowledge that there are some people that are called to help lead the church from a pastoral point of view or from a mission point of view. Some of you have been called to make your living from the gospel. Now I know that that sounds really weird, that the gospel's not for sale, the good news is free, yet the fact, that, the fact is that God has chosen pastors, children's pastors, worship pastors, student ministry leaders, directors, even some volunteers, administrative assistants, church staff, and missionaries to make their living from the gospel. The apostle Paul said this uh, to the Corinthian church. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 14, in the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Later, he wrote to Timothy and he said in 1 Timothy 5, 17, that elders or pastors, teachers who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. So there are certain groups of people and certain types of people that God calls to be supported financially by the church, whether it be missionaries or whether it be pastoral life. In our main passage of scripture, it's a long one, Acts chapter 13 through Acts chapter 14, 1 through 28, we see what happened in the life of, of Saul and Barnabas when the Holy Spirit called them into ministry. And this is when, really when they were called now to begin living and depending on the church to provide for them. So let's slowly walk through this passage, Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So here was this group of men, they were gathered together and they were praying and the Holy Spirit began to speak. It's important for us all to understand that it's first the Holy Spirit that selects, then the church supports and sends out missionaries or the church sends and supports missionaries. Now, when I say missionaries in today's message, understand that I'm talking about anybody that is called into that full-time occupational ministry. This was a group of prophets, teachers who gathered together and were praying. They gathered together and they were worshiping and fasting together. Can I just tell you, I like that. I love it 
They understood that there was no such thing as a lone ranger when it came to following Jesus. They were together in one place, a small group of men. They were dependent upon one another. They were leaning upon one another. They were sharing their needs and their burdens with each other. And they were worshiping God together. If you're not in a life group, that is what our life groups can offer to you. Uh, when our new life groups are, when you're available to sign up for a life group in January, I really hope and pray that if you're not involved with a small group who will hold you up, who will pray for you and encourage you and worship God with you, if you're not involved, that you would sign up and get involved. So this group of men, they were worshiping God. They were singing songs together. And then the Holy Spirit showed up and drastically changed the lives of specifically two of them, Barnabas and Saul. So as this group was praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to each of them and said, Barnabas and Saul have something specific I have planned for them to do. It wasn't a desire of Barnabas and Saul. They didn't get this idea in their heart themselves and say, hey, this is what I want to do with my life. Rather, the spirit began to speak to them and changed the direction of their life. I, I can tell you, I can relate to that. I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher and write children's books. After I became a follower of Jesus in 1991, from 1993 to 1996, I ran from the Holy Spirit's leading into full-time ministry. I ran from it. During my quiet times, as I prayed, uh, as I read scripture, as I poured my heart out to God, I sensed the Holy Spirit talking to me and telling me that he wanted me to occupationally go into full-time ministry. And the first time I sensed that, I said, no. I said, no, I'm not going to do that, God. I want to be a kindergarten teacher. I want to write children's books. I'm already in school. Those are not the plans I have. And then slowly, my walk with God began to disintegrate. Um, I stopped reading my Bible on a daily basis. I stopped praying on a daily basis. I stopped pouring my heart out to God on a, on a regular basis. And I missed my regular time with God. And so over that three years, I slowly began my daily quiet time again. I read more and more of the Bible. I poured my heart out to the Lord more. I began growing in my relationship with God once again. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to me again and told me that he wanted me in full-time ministry. And guess what I said? No. I said no again and my walk with God began to disintegrate again. And I missed God again. I knew I was saved. I knew I was born again, but I missed growing in my faith and my heart literally ached. I missed my relationship with God. After all, I had knelt down and I said, you are now the Lord of my life. And God was calling me into this area. And I kept saying, no, that means he's not really Lord of my life if I'm not really willing to do what he called me to do. And my heart ached and I felt empty inside. And so slowly again, I began getting back in the word on a regular basis. I began reading the Bible on a regular basis, pouring my heart out to God. And then guess what the Holy Spirit pressed on my heart to do one more time? 
go into full-time ministry. I began to hear that clearly from the Lord that he wanted me to surrender into full-time ministry. And again, I said, God, I want to be a kindergarten teacher. I want to write children's books. I'm at Austin Peay State University in interdisciplinary studies. I'm earning a degree in elementary education. I have my plans in place. But this time, instead of saying no, I'd been around Christians long enough to know the right answer to give when you don't really want to do what somebody asks you to do. I said, God, I'm not gonna do it, but I'll pray about it. Raise your hand if somebody has ever asked you to serve in an area of ministry and you said, I'll pray about it. And you never did it. So I said that to God. I said, God, I'll pray about it. Over the next week, Please, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. But I need you to show me clearly that this is the calling you have on my life. Please give me a sign. So let me tell you what God did. Day one, somebody out of the blue asked me if I sensed God was calling me into full-time ministry. Day two, Somebody I kind of knew out of the blue for no reason at all asked me if I sensed that God was calling me into full-time ministry. Day three, somebody I didn't even know walked up to me and asked me if I sensed that God was calling me into full-time ministry. I did not need a day four, a day five, a day six, or day seven. That was enough for me to realize that God was calling me. So that night I sat up in my bed till around midnight and I surrendered my plans to God. I told him I was sorry for running and I was surrendering into full-time ministry. See, anybody who serves in ministry occupationally full-time, anybody that goes on the mission field full-time, you can't do it just because you feel like doing it. You can't do it because you just think it's the right thing to do. The Holy Spirit must place a call on your life that this is what he wants you to do. And there also must be an affirming, uh, an, an affirmation from other people around you who know your heart and who know your walk with the Lord. That's what happened to Barnabas and to Saul. See, if the church really wants to reach more and more people, then we've got to affirm those who are called into ministry and release them to do the work that God has called them to do. Now, we may not always affirm the work. We may not always affirm that God is calling people into that full-time pastoral role or full-time ministry role, but we do have to understand that God's calling is beyond what we can understand. I had not a clue what God was gonna call me to do in my life. And the reason why we have to make sure that we can affirm those who are called and release them to do the work that God has set them apart for is because the spirit of the Lord directs the journey of missionaries, pastors, teachers for life change. The spirit of the Lord is the one who directs them and their calling for life change. So look what happened. The church, those men that were there with, with Paul and Barnabas affirmed the call on their lives. And then they were sent out in verse four. 
Then verses 4 through 14 highlights their mission journey from town to town. They were telling other people about Jesus until they finally stopped in a little, uh, uh, for a little while in Antioch where they were invited to teach in the synagogue. And so they did. And then when we jump to verse 42, Saul and Barnabas left the synagogue and people begged them to come back the following week so that they would teach God's word some more. So the next week, almost the entire city turned out to hear Saul and Barnabas preach the good news about Jesus. Check out verse 44, verse 48, and Acts, 4, uh, Acts 14, 1. And Acts 13, 44, on that next Sabbath, almost the whole city turned out to hear the word of the Lord. Wasn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit directed their path. They taught. They said, hey, come back next week and teach. And the whole city turned out to hear them teach the God's word. Then in verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, the message, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Then in Acts 14, verse 1, now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. See, the only reason why God calls men and women into full-time ministry is so that life change will happen. And I'm not talking about self-help life change. I'm talking about life change that happens as a direct result of a person placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They place their trust in Christ, believing that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he rose from the dead, defeating death, and that all who repent of their sins and turn to Jesus will be saved. See, the only reason why God calls men and women into ministry is so that more life change continues to happen and more people experience hope in Jesus. See, I, I wish I could tell you that ministry was super easy and ministry was super hard. Uh, I wish I could tell you that there's never any problems and never any, any difficulties when a person senses the Holy Spirit leading them into that full-time ministry career I wish I could tell you that it was super easy because if God is for us, who could ever be against us? But the truth is the same man, the apostle Paul, who wrote those words uh, in Romans 8, that if God is for us, who could ever be against us? Is later stoned in this passage of scripture. In fact, Nero ends up beheading him at the end of his life. See, mission work yields high returns with great risk. Mission work yields high returns with great risk. In this passage of scripture, we've, been, we've looked at the life change that's occurred as Paul and Barnabas went from city to city. The Jews believed, they invited them to come back. The whole city turns out, they hear the word of God. People are celebrating and rejoicing. The Gentiles hear about this forgiveness of sins and this Messiah and hope. And they turn their lives over to Jesus. But unfortunately, in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14, there are also some really dark words that we jumped over. See, the Jewish leaders did not like the message of hope that Paul and Barnabas taught. So they caused serious trouble for Paul and Barnabas wherever they went. In 1350, 
We read that when they preached the good news about Jesus in the city of Antioch, Acts 13, 50 writes, uh, uh, Luke writes, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. See, the reason why Paul and Barnabas actually moved on to a different place is because the Jewish people that were there stirred up anger against them and forced them out of town. They were driven out of Antioch, so they went to Iconium. And in 14 verse 5, a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack them and stone them. So Paul and Barnabas once again leave town and they head into the city of Lystra and some Jews now were antagonizing them and following them. Paul and Barnabas leaving the city of Antioch and Iconium wasn't enough. Even as they went on to a new city, the Jews from those other cities now followed Paul and Barnabas and they began causing problems for them. In Acts 14, 19, we read that those Jews won the crowds to their side and they stoned Paul and dragged him out of town. They actually left their homes in Antioch and Iconium to travel to another place to give uh, Saul and Paul, uh, Paul and Barnabas such a hard time they incited people against them that Paul was literally stoned and dragged out of town. Now, stoning back then involved one of two methods. Either was the traditional where they would grab the big stones, the chunks of rock, and they would throw them, kind of stand around them in a circle and, and throw them at the person being stoned un, until they fell down and died. Or... They stoned them and then laid rocks down on top of them until it literally crushed them to death. They stoned Paul and they drug him out of the town. God said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to do. And now Paul is bleeding on the outside of town, left for dead. When you sense a call to the mission field or you sense a call to pastoral ministry, I would love to tell you it is a beautiful, wonderful life where there are no hardships and nothing bad ever occurs. But I can't say that to you. Remember when Paul said in Romans 8 that uh, if, uh, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? He also said, so it doesn't matter if I face hardship. It doesn't matter if I face persecution. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Church historians tell us the fate of some of the apostles that we've been looking at in the book of Acts. We looked at John and we've looked at uh, Peter and we've looked at Paul and Barnabas. Well, church historians tell us about the fate that some of them experienced. Now, some of this is not necessarily a, an absolute fact, but I can tell you there's consensus among church historians that this most likely happened to each one of the apostles. I've already mentioned that Paul would later be beheaded by Nero. 
And God said, set him aside for the work I've called him to do. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified in Greece. Thomas was murdered in India. Philip was tortured to death in Asia Minor. Matthew, the tax collector, was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was killed. James was stoned, then clubbed to death. Simon was killed after refusing to worship a sun god in Syria. And John was exiled to the island of Patmos. Then Latin legend said that he was boiled in oil and then escaped. See, mission work and the ministry of God yields high reward. Every follower of Jesus longs to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. All of us who are followers of Christ, we have a special calling that God has given to us, a spiritual gift that he expects us to use. But some people have a call to go to parts unknown. Some people have a calling to go to Muslim-controlled countries or communist-controlled countries and preach the gospel until they die. It's happening today. Do you know that the third largest mission field in the world is now the United States of America? The third largest mission field is the United States of America. If you sense a call to mission work, it may not be to go overseas. It may be to go across the street to your neighbor and tell them the good news about Jesus. It may be to go across the street and help your neighbor do something when they're out working in the yard to show them the love of God. And some of us have a different type of calling where God is calling you to get up and to go and to be supported by the church and to be supported by other followers of Jesus. I want you to know that that calling is not glamorous. Ministry is messy. Ministry is hard. Ministry weighs down on you. We pray for families and marriages to be restored. We pray for children to be healed. We pray for life change to occur in our church, in our community. It's a burden. It's hard. And a calling to ministry does cost more for some than others. My calling is nothing like uh, the cost that I've experienced yet in life is nothing what the apostles experienced. In 2014, I was serving on staff as the lead pastor of a church in Virginia. And I was fired by the board of directors after learning that there was financial corruption committed by the board. I didn't have a clue what I had stumbled upon, but the moment they found it out, I was released by emergency vote after seven weeks of walking away from a comfortable place, serving in ministry at a comfortable church where I was provided for extremely well. And then I was left with nothing, waiting on the Lord to do something. So let me ask you this. After laying out the difficulties and hardships for those that are called into ministry, I want to ask you a question. Is God leading you into full-time ministry? 
<laughs> Some of you guys just started shaking your head. No way. Well, I want to tell you, if you sense that the Lord may be leading you into full-time ministry or, or full-time pastoral ministry or full-time mission work, if you sense that God is calling you to occupationally get up and go, here's what I want to ask you to do. Here's your next step. I want to ask you to complete the connect card in front of you. And I want you to write on there that your name, your email, contact number, and tell us, I think God may be calling me into full-time ministry. Then our pastors are gonna be praying for you and we're gonna probably invite you to come in, sit down, talk with you, see if we're able to affirm that call or just see if you're nuts. So one or the other, uh, because you gotta be a little bit nuts. We wanna hear what you're gonna give up in order to go uh, serve the Lord and talk with you and pray with you about that. We'd love to be able to help discern for you if God is indeed calling you into full-time ministry. And let me encourage you, if you have a, a son or a daughter or a parent that's involved in full-time ministry and full-time missions, pray hard for them. Lift them up to God in prayer. Pray for our missionaries that we are connected with here at Calvary. Pray with those that are serving in, in countries around the world. Pray for them, love them. And when you have an opportunity to sign up, to get involved in mission work whenever we go back to mission work in 2021, jump on board and sign up and let God open your eyes to what he's doing around the world. I think you will be blown away at what God is doing, not only here, but around the world through Calvary. Let's pray together. Father, Paul and Barnabas, were called by you, they were set apart by you, and they walked through fire. That was the path that you had for their lives. And we thank you, Father, for the men and women throughout the, throughout the ages that have heard you calling them into the mission field, heard you calling them into pastoral ministry, heard you calling them to get involved in the life of the church as elders, pastors, teachers, and Father, we thank you for those that have gone before us. And I thank you, God, that you are working in the hearts of men and women in this room and online today. And Lord, I invite your Holy Spirit to be very clear with them that they would hear from you and that they would be willing to take that next step. But Father, I pray a blessing on them. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that continues to change us and transform us. Keep changing our paths. May we not get comfortable and complacent with where you've called us to be. Help us to listen to you and be willing to always take that next step. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand together and let's worship.